Well, here's the hope. The hope is that the more you play, the better your kids will get at playing. And so in time, you can find those moments of reprieve. And I think that's why the answer is such a good one. It's because if you go to the right place, and I just spoke at a MOPS group last week, because you lay that foundation when they're young, they're just better at playing. So I had read a quote that said, if you always entertain, you're always gonna need to entertain. And so this is something that's gonna help you for the long haul. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast, where our goal is to help you thrive in your homeschool journey. Before we begin today's episode, I just want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen or watch, including YouTube, and leave us a five-star review if this podcast has encouraged you. These reviews really help other parents like you find our podcast. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook for more content. Today, I'm continuing uh, into the second part of the two-part episode with Jenny Urich. If you missed part one, you will want to go back and watch it. Jenny is the founder of A Thousand Hours Outside and the author of the new book, Until the Streetlights Come On. Stay tuned because you don't want to miss this life-changing episode with Jenny. When my family started our homeschooling journey, there were so many decisions to make. But one of our best decisions was choosing to use BJU Press Homeschool. I've never seen my kids so excited to get textbooks before. I'm amazed by how interesting and interactive the lessons are. My kids actually look forward to them. We use the online video lessons for all our courses, but I know some families choose to teach from the textbooks. What I love is that I can trust BJU Press to uphold our values. The Bible and biblical principles are woven throughout each subject. I'll admit, I was a bit nervous when I started homeschooling, but I've found a wonderful online community of other BJU Press homeschool families and consultants. The Homeschool Hub also makes my job easier. I can set up our schedules and rearrange them with just a few clicks. On the dashboard, I can see each of my kids' progress, and the assignments page shows me quickly what's ready for me to check or grade. I'm glad my son's biology assignments are automatically graded. BJU Press Homeschool has given us the tools and confidence to homeschool our children. For more information, do what I did and visit the BJU Press Homeschool website or talk with your local HomeWorks consultant. One of the things that we have lost is the cohesiveness of family time. And what I have found, and this is, I think, an encouraging thing, is that when we started this journey, it was to fill the time to help me be a better mother for young kids. But now we have teenagers. So people ask often, what does this look like with teens? And what it looks like with teens is a new guardrail. It's a guardrail that we have time together because when your kids hit those teenage years, now they have jobs, they have friends, they have sports, they have maybe a significant other that they're interested in. And your family can really start to splay out and become a little more fractured. And so this is guaranteeing that we've got some time built in as a family, that we have this out in front of us so that we don't lose that. And it would be really easy to lose that. Things get busy in a very different way, less physical, but more activity driven. And so often these are activities that they really love and that they're thriving in. And so it forces us to carve out time to still be together with our teens. 
gosh, those teen years, I will tell you, when my children were teenagers, those years flew by. Uh, it was one day they were in the seventh grade and the next day they were in the 12th grade. And you really do want to cling and capture it. I mean, I've got 16 and 17 year old grandkids right now, two of my grand, two of my eight. And I'm thinking, oh, I just want to hold on to you and do do these activities like we do together because they're they're fleeting. You know, another thing that has really hit Joe and me this past year as we've been traveling. Joe has two workshops he does. One is um, raising G-rated kids in an R-rated world on boys and pornography. And then the second one, because most boys are introduced through the internet or screen time, innocently between the ages of nine and 11, doing their homework. And um, and then the second thing is, uh, Joe was speaking at a conference in Washington, and he just mentioned something about, just in passing, what some of the social media sites are doing to girls' self-esteem with all the filters, and then they want plastic surgery to look like the filters they've been using. And this one mother came up to us afterwards, and she said, oh, yeah, it's more than social media. She said, my daughter was using a Bible app. And in the Bible app where there was, I don't know what the right terminology is, where there was a room where they were talking with each other, um, the girls were talking about cutting. And and she said, who would have ever, and she said, that's where my daughter was first exposed to it. Who would have ever thought that a Bible app would be the entry to all of this? So so we, we got to watch, you know, we just got to watch their screen time and what they're doing on their cell phones. Yeah. Well, let me add on to it, Zan, because I had this sobering conversation recently with a young man named Sean Killingsworth, and he just reached out. He's 20. I think his mom does 1,000 hours outside. So he reached out and said, my mom is familiar with you. And he wanted to talk. And he said that his childhood was a social wasteland. That's what he called it, a social wasteland. And he said he had these visions of high school and vibrancy and playing with friends, even at a young age. And he said it doesn't exist. He said that his first experience was at age eight, where he went to this program in the neighborhood, all these kids, and he thought he's going to be able to play, and there's Legos and all these things to do. He said, but they didn't limit the screen time, and so every other child was on a Game Boy. And he had he didn't have one. He didn't have one, and so he had to sit on the sidelines. And he said, all I did was sit and watch another kid play Game Boy. And it was a heartbreaking tale of lost opportunity. And he doesn't get to redo that. You know, he talked about the teen years where you just get to be fun and funny. And he talked about how, well, no, anything can be videotaped. Anything can be kept forever. Anything that you do that's sillier, that you are trying out, you know, you try out different things when you're a teen, that someone's going to capture that and post it for everyone else to see. And it was a really heartbreaking tale. And I think that that's another perspective too, beyond the pornography, beyond these things that they could be exposed to that are way ahead of their years and that you can't undo. We also have this issue of they're not getting a childhood like we did. They don't get that. 
And so we can, to the best of our abilities, try and help them to have those times. Even if you have kids that have phones, that you do the thing like put it in the basket when they come over, that you have these guardrails for your kids so that they still get to have a childhood. You wait as long as possible before you hand them that smartphone and you start with some of the simpler ones because those do exist now, the flip phone or the Gab wireless watch or that type of thing. You start with that because it really does matter. My midwife has said to me, someday our kids are going to ask us why. Why didn't we limit? And I think it's true. Yes, I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. And oh boy, the heartbreak and the sadness that will accompany that for parents. I mean, we just, and I know it's hard. I know it's hard you know, when you've got so much to do as a mom and you just want a few minutes to yourself and you turn on the television and, um, well, here's the hope. The hope is that the more you play, the better your kids will get at playing. And so in time you can find those moments of reprieve. And I think that's why the answer is such a good one. It's because if you go to the right place and I just spoke at a mops group last week, and then I went and sat at the table at one of the tables and they were talking about this park that was a real simple park and it had some sand and anyway it was enclosed with a fence and they would say it was an easy place to take their little ones their toddlers aren't going to run off they're not going to run into the road and so a couple little moms would meet up during the day and they go to this simple park and the kids would play there for a little while and they would get a break and then because you lay that foundation when they're young they're just better at playing So I had read a quote that said, if you always entertain, you're always going to need to entertain. And so this is something that's going to help you for the long haul. You know, I'm so thankful because well, when our kids were growing up, especially the boys, they're nine and seven years older than Lizzie. I mean, they just played. I mean, that's just what you did. They just played outside all day long. And then Lizzie and I didn't play quite as much, but she was interested in so many things. We were always out and about doing something. But I'm so thankful. Like even when I visit my daughter in California, it's so much fun because her kids, you know, we drop dead by the night, but those kids are playing all day long. And it's, you know, it's just the power of play. it is it is their work as a child. It is their work as a child. And I, I know you talk about it. I got I to gotta hit this quote in your book. I don't know why this knocked me, knocked my socks off, but it's probably because my in-laws, um, Joe's mom and dad used to watch Jeopardy every day. And so when Watson came on, you know, the computer that just nobody could beat the computer. And in your book, you say Watson didn't get a childhood, but our kids do. And so we've got to differentiate, you know, between computers and real life. Right. Because it feels like we're falling behind. And I think that's where the fear comes in. The fear comes in because all of a sudden there's AI and all of a sudden that's going to wipe out a whole section of careers. And all of a sudden we're afraid. And fear, I loved what Dr. Madeline Levine said in her book, Ready or Not. She said, fear is causing so many of us to double down on the old ways because that's all we know. So we're doubling down on standardized testing. We're doubling down on this narrow view of education 
when really it's all of this extraneous stuff that's helping our kids to develop their imaginations. It's helping our kids to develop grit and resilience. It's helping them to learn how to take risks, how to love life. And if they have these specific qualities, they're going to be able to adjust to an increasingly technological world. And the job market is changing and the jobs they will have, they don't even exist yet. 85% or something like that of the jobs our kids will have. You can't even really comprehend that. Don't even exist yet. No, and so, no, I, I, I've got no grid for that, you know. Right, Especially but like when- podcasting, right? Like the fact that we're doing this podcast right now through a screen 15 years ago, no one could have really imagined that. And so that's what's coming. And I think if our kids are confident and if they've had experiences to try out different things, if they know themselves well, if they love to be creative and come up with new innovative situations and solutions, then they're going to be okay. And so that's what the book is about, this premise that today can be really good for you, mama who's listening. Today can be good. You you know, you've got your teenager, you got your baby, you got your toddler. Today can be good. And that good day is still worthy of preparing your child for tomorrow. And that is the message of hope. One of the things I love about the book is you always talk about it's okay to live in the moment, that not everything we do is preparing our children for adulthood. I mean, I know we all want our kids to be responsible adults, but we just need to let them enjoy being kids. Um, And and so I got to go back to a comment about preschool, that we start preparing our kids for college in preschool. And Joe watched this documentary once and he called me and he said, you got to see this. It was about a group of parents in New York that they were all hiring preschool teachers, I mean, coaches at $10,000 a year to get their kids in the right preschool in New York City. And the moms who were pregnant were camping out at night so that three years later, they would have a spot for their kid in the right preschool. And it, that, that is, if, if everything we're doing is just to get our kids in the right college to get the right job, I mean, that just, what a rat race. You know, what right, a And I don't think it works. Race. I think that's no. the problem. I think it's a lie. It doesn't work. And here's why it doesn't work. Because the careers that used to last 30 years don't exist anymore. They don't. That's that when we talk about the old way, that is the old way is that you would go to the fancy college and you would get the degree and then you would go to this company and you would work your way up and you would make all this money. Well, knowledge is changing so rapidly that jobs, most jobs do not last a full generation anymore. There's so much change. And so the statistic says that our kids are going to have four jobs on average within the first decade of adult life, four jobs. So that means your kids have to be flexible and you have to have really good people skills because you're going to have all these different coworkers and all of these different situations, different bosses, and that a lot of our kids are going to be entrepreneurs. And you don't become an entrepreneur by spending 12 or 13 years of your life doing what someone else tells you to do. You don't. 
And so the message is that you can do less. You can really pull back. You can enjoy those kids. You can have a lot of fun. You can go to the park, go to the zoo, go to the museum, have a lot of downtime, do a little bit of your schoolwork, and then fill the rest of the day with games and cooking and baked goods and playing with neighbors and all these things and be confident that those pieces are what prepare our kids for a rapidly changing world. You know, I'm going to take just a minute. Um, I usually do this halfway through. I missed my moment. We were so caught up in thanking our sponsor, BJU Press Homeschool. And I just want to acknowledge the fact that in their curriculum, they allow for different learning styles. They promote a lot of outdoor activities in there, uh, a lot of different ways to meet the goals and expectations of the curriculum that don't kill your family life. So if you have been looking for something like that, we have homeschool consultants and you can find them at at, um, homeschoolhelp.com slash map. Click on your state. These are homeschool moms who can tell you how to use the curriculum to get the most out of God's creation and according to learning styles and science experiments that are outdoors in real life. Uh, so I, I just want to I want to thank BJU Press Homeschool for making that alternative available. So now I got to mention this to you, too, because you pointed out. I guess we can't call it a scam. I don't want to be sued for libel. But you pointed out that U.S. News and World Report, that when they started doing their ranking systems for colleges, tell us what happened after that. So this is really an important piece because when you talk about the fear... Yes, it yes. starts at preschool. So what has happened is that at some point, colleges started to get ranked. And the ranking really became a big deal. And part of the ranking has to do with selectivity. So if you have a college that only selects 2% of the applicants, then you're going to get bumped up the ranks if you are really selective. So not that many people get in. And so this became a game. In order to play the game, then you have to get more people to apply. And so what these colleges are doing is these big colleges, they're sending you all sorts of materials in the mail. Your name as a high school student is getting sold umpteen times. And so you're applying to these places and you're getting rejected. And that's what they want. They want to reject as many people as possible because the more people they reject, the more they go up the list. So they want you to apply and not get in. And so what's happened is it's made it appear that these colleges all of a sudden are harder to get in. Your kid is falling behind. Your kid didn't make it. You got rejected. When really all that's happened is it's a numbers game. They've increased the pool of applicants solely for the sake of bumping themselves up the rankings. And what that does is that just keeps the whole game going. So our kids are not falling behind. They're going to find their path. I just talked to Ken Coleman earlier today. Ken Coleman is a Dave Ramsey personality. He's got some really cool resources on finding your career path and your career plan. Really neat guy. And he had this whole list of 25 jobs, 25 well-paying jobs you don't need a bachelor's degree for, that people are really happy in these 25 careers. It was a great list. Air traffic controller, all sorts of things. So there are a lot of options for your kids. Linda McGurk wrote a book called There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather. And she says something in there that says, there are many paths to a good life that don't include an Ivy League education. 
But I do think also if your kid wants an Ivy League education, if that's like their burning desire, they're going to get it because they're biologically designed to go for what they want. And so they're going to make that happen. There's homeschoolers in every walk of life. And you're going to find homeschool doctors and lawyers and stay-at-home moms and hairstylists and cleaners and all the way in between. So your child will be able to fulfill their dreams if you give them, I think, a full life today. You know, it's interesting. I um, I interviewed Jonathan Brush earlier today with Unbound, and we were talking about this exact thing, you know, how to do college differently and project-based education, real-life experiences, entrepreneurial-type um, things while you're in that particular college program. Um, and, you know, I just want to encourage parents whose kids want to go to college, consider some Christian schools. Um, and you might not find them always listed in the the ranking system, but, you know, your kids are going to get, if they want a good education, they're going to get one. They're getting it from you. They're getting it from you, mama or dad who's listening or grandparent. They are getting it from you. And they're also getting it from themselves because so many of the things that kids learn, we don't explicitly teach them. They learn it on their own. So I got to I got to tell you when I got to this chapter title, I'm going, woohoo, you just set free every mother in America with um, the the fact that, let's see, the, cha- the, um, the chapter on boredom, it's okay for your kids to be bored. Now, set us free from this trap of um, feeling like we're failures as moms if our kids are bored. I tell you what, I read a, se- a sentence in this book called Beyond Winning, which is about youth sports culture. And I was not expecting to love the book as much as I did. It's by Luis Fernando Yosa and Kim John Payne. And one of the statements in there says this, and I feel like every parent, especially every homeschool parent should have it up on their wall. It says, when your kids are bored, you have not failed. When your kids are bored, you have not failed. This is a huge thing because boredom, mm-hmm. Boredom is the bridge from nothing to something. And our kids have to be used to being by themselves. They have to love their own company. And they have to know how to come up with something out of nothing. These are huge skills for a world that's changing rapidly. And so we just find that if my kids are fussing about it, which they do often, that they're bored, that you can just give them a non-emotional response that's empathetic. So the way that we do it is we say, it's all right to be bored. It's okay to be bored. We just say it over. They get sick of you. You know, that's okay. I trust you'll find something to do. Um, that works. It works every time because they get sick of you saying the same thing over and over again. And eventually they find something to do. When um, a lot of the neighborhood kids would come to our house after school was out when the boys were little. And one day, one of the um, little boys walked up to me. I must have been third or fourth grade and said, Miss Tyler, I'm bored. And Ty and John go, don't say that bad word to my mother. She will find something for you to do. And you won't like it as much as if you find something for you to do. (laughs) Right. Because you're going to say, look, I need all these socks, Matt. I need this as well. I need the floor mop. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you're bored. Because I've got a lot of ideas. Fix that problem. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Until you do, you have that little ding, 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 you're a failure 
when you hear that, if you don't give yourself the right coping skills for that as a parent, because mm-hmm. kids yeah. can play you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, they know. They know because they want to watch TV. That's yeah. what they want. So they want right. you to give in. Right. Yep. So, you know, That's you give them exactly a mop and a bucket. Right. Instead of the TV, they're not going to complain so much anymore. Okay, we're we're running out of time, but there are two things in the book that I got to talk to you about that I think will encourage parents. One is just where you say um, we live in a, a society where the margins have been eaten up, and it's okay to have margins and it's okay to slow down. So just you know, I'm not asking a question except for just talk to us about that for a minute, Jenny. And um, ease our anxiety. Well, it's hard, isn't it? Because everyone else is doing all the things. And so we feel pressure to do all the things starting at very, very young ages, 18 months. Sometimes there's soccer programs for kids, little kickers. And so it's important that we have margin for rest. It's important that we have margin to connect as a family. It's important to have margin so that our kids have their own time. What is life if you don't have your own time, if you don't have a little bit of autonomy to figure out what am I going to do with this bit of time? And it's just one of those things that I say, we're stealing time from children. We're taking all of it. And it's not necessarily ours to take because they have their own life and their own path. And God has given them passion and purpose and a direction. And so if we take all the time, if adults take all the time, they're left with no way to realize those different things. And so margin looks like empty space on your calendar that you make sure you leave white and you don't fill it in with anything else and relish in that because you're really doing your kids a huge service by leaving some margin in your days and your weeks. And, you know, I have to say um, to the moms and, and dads listening and watching that, you know, there are just times when we're all failures. I I look back on my life as a parent and I think, oh, I kept my daughter too busy or, you know, and, and, but I'm so thankful for the time that homeschooling gave us because we had, we just had, it was just a great way for me to be with our kids and us to be with each other and value those relationships. And so, you know, we just, sometimes we do the best we can. I just, I wish Jenny that I had had this book in my hands as much time as we spent outside. I wish I'd had this book in my hands when I was a mom. I mean, you are giving moms such a huge gift with this book the freedom to relax, the freedom to take their kids outside and not worry that they're ruining their kids in the process because isn't that what we worry about? And uh, and we want to bless them. And so, okay, so enough of that. There's one other thing at the very end where you talk about lux levels and how important that is. And I'll never forget, I was reading this, stu- this study when my boys were teenagers And it said two things. They need lots of sleep and they need lots of light. And it's not the light you get in a schoolroom. And so it was it was so amazing because I did let my boys sleep in when they were teens, especially if they had been, 
you know, at soccer tournaments or Lizzie had been in a play and we had late nights, then they could sleep the next day. And I never felt guilty about that because I felt like the things they were involved in were real life. And, um, but, but to have somebody say that about light, and this was not a homeschooler, this was a public school advocate talking about how teenagers need to have the latest bus schedule and we need to provide natural light. And I thought, what a simple thing. So just as we close, talk to us, you know, as, as Christians, we think Jesus is the light. Um, we know Jesus is the light. So talk to us for a little bit about the importance of natural light in our kids' lives. I think that you bring up such a good point because this is meant to encourage homeschoolers. And when we talk about our lives and the way that we structure our days, the only way you can really have some good margin is if you choose the homeschooling path. Otherwise, it's really tricky. And where we live, the bus doesn't come home until 4.30 or 5 in the evening for elementary schoolers. And so it's already starting to get dark here where we live in Michigan. And so it's really tricky. So if you are homeschooling and you are struggling a little bit, know that there are a lot of benefits just from choosing that lifestyle. Even if you feel like you didn't pick the right curriculum or you're struggling with this that, or the other thing, at least you can have some margin. At least you can have some family time. At least your kids can get sleep. And at least you've got to have full spectrum light. Full spectrum light outside the lux measured by candles. One lux is one candle's worth of light. When you step outside, the lux levels are in the thousands and up to 10,000, 20,000, depends on how sunny or cloudy it is. But indoors, it's in the hundreds. And outdoor light is the full spectrum, all the colors, right? The rainbow colors, all the colors are out there. And it's in this beautiful wave. There's so many waves that God made in our world, right? The ocean waves and the sine waves and sound waves. And that's how it is outdoors. Indoor light, a fluorescent light, your high energy, efficient bulbs, whatever they are, they're just peaks of different color. That light is actually not very good for us. And so by being a homeschool family, you have a lot of opportunity to get outdoors into that full spectrum light. And it's very healing. It helps our eyesight. It helps with the development of our eyes. It helps guide our bodies. So the colors helps change throughout depression. the day. It sure does. It helps with so many things. I and mean, so I, that I is I just... Know. I know that I'm an SA, you know, that SAD syndrome. Right. Boy, I, I mean, I am like that. When we lived up in Philadelphia and uh, in Andover, Massachusetts for a couple of years, we loved where we were, but I could really feel on those dark winter days, just this heaviness, you know, without the sunshine, you know. But if you can get outdoors, even on those days that are cloudy, it will do something for your mind and your body. There are 100 body systems that depend on the day and night cycle. And in order to reset that, you have to get enough lux and it's only outside. So you want to be getting your kids out in the morning if you can, ideally. Get them out there, do your morning basket out there, take your BJE press materials, your all of your things out. Take it outside if you can. If it's warm enough, put it on a clipboard. Do some of your studies out there in the morning, 15, 20 minutes, and that just helps to reset your body for the day. So this is helping moms, and this is the point. It's helping everyone. It's going to help your little baby. It's going to help your toddler. It's going to help your teen. It's going to help your elementary school student, and it's going to help 
you. And we need help. We need a little bit. And, you know, the Bible says, God says, yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I think if you're feeling very burdened by your day to day, you just need a little bit more margin, a little bit more space, a little bit more time in creation. And that's going to lift some of the burden off of your shoulders. Mm, Amen. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for being here. There's so much more we could have talked about. The loneliness epidemic and how the outdoors helps that. So many things. So I'm going to show the book one more time to those who are watching on YouTube. It's Until the Streetlights Come On, and it's due to be released in November. I just want to encourage you to get the book. I think every mom should read this book. Don't worry if you can't do a thousand hours outside. 500 is a noble goal. Anything more that you're doing right now, if you're not an outdoors person, will begin to change your life. And so, Jenny, thank you. Thank you for who you are, your friendship, this book, um, setting us free on so many different levels as moms. And uh, tell us, so tell us where people can find the book and find you. Oh, Zanny, you're so sweet. I'm at 1000 Hours Outside. It's always all that. The website is 1000HoursOutside.com, all those things. The book is wherever you buy your books, but if you buy it from our publisher, which is BakerBookHouse.com, it might be BakerBooks.com, it's Baker something. Baker something. <laughs> they offer it at a deal. It's it's something like 30% off plus free shipping. It's a, oh, it's a wow. substantial deal. So yes. it's a couple more clicks, right? It's a couple more clicks than maybe getting it off of a buy now Amazon. But you could get a deal on that there. So that's a cool place to buy it too. So I always want to make sure I throw that out there for homeschool parents because a lot of times we're doing the one income thing. That's exactly so we're looking right. For Every a dollar good deal. matters. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, this has been so delightful. I'm sorry to say goodbye. Um, I'm Zan Tyler. You can find me at zantyler.com. You can find my social handles there as well. So thank you so much for being with us. We just pray that God continues to bless your families richly. We'll hope you'll find joy outside. And until next time, bye. Bye.